Okay, let's get started again. I would like for someone, if they, if they will, anyone, to give me a rundown on what kind of emphasis that we were trying to place, what kind of idea or outcome we were trying to place in the previous class. Please. Jack? Uh, out loud. Uh, that's true. And what Jackie said here, he said, if you don't serve God in a manner that is pleasing in his sight, you're not in very good standing with the living God of Israel. And I know I probably said the living God of Israel 50 times this morning here on this tape. But I want to emphasize that that's the way I style God is the living God of Israel because I want to style him as the only one true God because that's what he has told me in his scriptures that he is. He's the beginning and the end. He is God. Anyone else? I'd really like to know what you young people think. Exactly. What do all these people think about their inequities that really come upon them? Sure, that's true. That's right. You know, they they'll tell you that it's not a. You know, I know that life's not a bed of roses. That's what they're going to tell you. And you know, I don't care what happens in the future. If I can live this life, you know. That's all I care about. I just want to live this life, and, and when that's done, I'm, I'm satisfied. Well, let me tell you, young people, this. When you get up as old as I am, I still style myself a young man, by the way. But, you know, I've got, I've got four real good reasons that I serve God. And they are my two daughters, and my son, and my wife. My ultimate goal is to see them in the kingdom of God. So, you have reasons for inspiration. God gives them to you. And those are my gifts from God for my inspiration. Okay? I'm not trying to embarrass my children or anything to save me because they're in here. I don't mean that at all. Okay? I'm trying to make a point to some other people. Okay? So, I can't say Robbie, that this is all I care about. Give me this life when it's over. That's all I ask for. I've enjoyed myself. Because I know that my parents taught me that there was a kingdom that would be set up in the earth in the future. Okay? To perish forever is a terrible statement. To live forever should be music to our ears. And God's given us that prerogative. We're not robots. That he is up here with a little guide in his hand. He turns a knob and we turn one way or the other. We accept him when he wants us to. And we don't when he doesn't want us to, okay? 
He's given us our own heart and mind and our own prerogative to serve Him. Either do or don't. It's our... It's up to us. And what we read this morning, we found out if we do and if we don't, what will happen? There are things that should encourage you to reach the kingdom of God. Just think. Think of the word perish. And like I say, there's things that I turn to for my inspiration. Not only the scriptures, but those things that God has given me in this life to enjoy. Mainly my family. Universal salvation. Yeah. Universal salvation is always in the world's mind, okay? Because they do believe in universal salvation. No matter what, you're going to be saved in the end, you know? But let me, I, I'm not trying to get off the subject here, but let me say this. I want to get my thoughts right before I say this. God did not make error. There's no way. Okay? If we look at the Scriptures and think that there's universal salvation in, in the plan of salvation from God, why do you think that He would have made such an error as to take us to heaven when we die, bring us back to the earth and judge us, and take us back to heaven? We're going through two judgments, are we not, Stacy? One when we die, come back to the judgment seat of Christ in the earth for another one. Well, what does that mean? That we're going to go up there and live in heaven till the return of Christ, come back, be judged, unworthy, cast out into the living fire, I mean to the burning fire? Not at all. Because for one reason, going to heaven does not exist for man. It's God's dwelling place. The earth is his footstool, and we are his servants. He didn't make that error. When we go into the grave, there's no faults, not anything where we go. Our breath of life returns at that point to God that gave it, and we hope that that grave is a memorial grave and that it will be open at the return of Christ and that will be judged righteous and set on his right hand and enter the kingdom of God. That's the way it will be. Not universal resurrection and not universal salvation. Okay? He says the wicked shall perish. That means that there will be no more wicked and they will perish and the righteous will live forever. And I was saying that for what Susan said there, that they, what's in the back of their minds whenever they say, just give me this life, and that's all I want, because they're thinking back in the back of their mind, well, I'm going to go to heaven anyway. That's not true. John 3 and 13 
says that no man has in, has gone to heaven except he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man. Okay? And Christ came because Mary conceived by the power of God and she bore Jesus. Okay? And no man hath entered into heaven. That's God's dwelling place. Now let's get back on the subject. Now, is there anybody else that wants to, in their mind, elaborate what we were doing this morning? Susan? Proverbs 17 and 3. You might be able to talk about a week on that particular verse right there if you speaking of the plan of salvation actually to know this. Uh, again, I want to read these scriptures that we're going to take up here strong. Okay, John 17, 3. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Well, how do we know God? Through the Scripture. What do we do to the Scripture to know God? Study it and have faith. Right. We don't know it unless we study it, young people. And that's why that the brethren in this area here have this, this gathering here this weekend because it means something to them to be able to elaborate upon the truth and teach it to those young people, old, those that are out around us and to bring them in to the saving name of Jesus Christ. It means something to them. And this is our duty. You know, we're, we're not supposed to get over here in the corner, Jack, and put a wash tub over the top of us so that nobody can see us. What are we supposed to do, Robbie? I know you know. 
that light, even though it's a small light over here, and we're few in number, yet that light can be seen around the world. And we're supposed to let that light shine. And the way we conduct ourselves, and the way we live morally, always shows. You may not think that it does, but when you live in a small town like I do, you know, you can chunk a rock from one side of John City to the other. And uh, people in that town, and we, we've been there forever, and uh, people in that town know and understand how we conduct ourselves and live. A lot of them know what the Christian Delphians believe and teach. And they respect me for that, that reason. And if you think that's not true, uh, you, you ought to just be in a small town where people know you. I mean, you know, when you walk through the streets of Johnson City, you know everybody on a first-name basis. You've known them forever. You didn't go to school with them. Your kids are, you know, and that's what it is. But I, I just want you to realize that your, the way you style your life and the way you live shows to those that are around about that's letting your light shine and that they will know the way you conduct yourself. They'll say, we, we, we know you're different. It makes me feel good. But we are supposed to be different. Separate. Pulled out of the world. And we don't do those things that they might do. And they realize that. And we're, you know, we're, we're never... We're never even questioned why we don't and why we do. But they do respect you. And, and this scripture right here, it's life eternal to know how to conduct yourself God's way and to know His Son. And the reason He hung on the cross was this is life eternal to us, to know these things. questions. Okay. I want to turn over to Psalms 37. And I do have this scripture that was read in your hearing this morning and I do want to read that again. In 34. We'll go to it later. Psalms 37 verses 25 through 40. Earlier we looked at what happened when men of old called upon the hand of God to help them. And these are scriptures here that, that He will do and it is our duty to do to Him to lead us to life eternal. Verse 25. I have been young and now I'm old yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken of his seed begging bread he is ever merciful and lendeth and his seed is blessed depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore for the Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints they are preserved forever but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off the righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. 
The mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom, and his tongue talketh of judgment. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. The wicked watcheth the righteous, and seeketh to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord, and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. Emphasis there on that verse. That's our ultimate goal in serving God, young people. Right there. Not like what happened to us right now. We pray for the strength to endure until the Lord Jesus Christ returns. We pray for the strength to endure all those things that are within the world that we have to put up with. It. We pray that we not, might not be led astray by it. Okay? And let's read this verse again. Wait on the Lord and keep His way. And He shall exalt thee to what? Inherit the land. Well, in the, in the promises that were given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, He said, For this land I'll give it to you for an everlasting possession. Okay? In the third chapter of Galatians, he says, if you be Abraham's seed, then your heirs according to the promise. Heirs of what? Inherit the earth forever. Inherit the land for an everlasting possession. And what happens then? The wicked, it says here in this verse, are cut off. They are no more. Verse 35, I've seen the wicked in great power. We've seen that. They are as of right now, are they not? and spreading himself like a green bay tree. Yet he passed away, and lo, he was not. Yea, I sought him, but he could not be found. They're going to perish. Mark the perfect man, and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The end of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. And he shall deliver them from the wicked and save them. Because they trust in him. Trust in him. Those are, that's emphasis over everything we just got through reading. To trust him is to serve him in a manner that is pleasing in his sight in all truth in all truth <laughs> questions okay I want us to turn then to let's go on and, and let's go back to that Psalms 34 Speaking of David, calling upon the hand of God, these are psalms here of David. And I, I, they should give us encouragement, okay? Not to read these and, and pay no mind or attention to them because we should be encouraged and strengthened by the things which we read here, okay? 
because they are enlightening. They're enlightening if you look at the truth in the way that I look at it. Okay, and remember, Brother David Pinkston read this to us this morning. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall thereof and shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from my fears. They looked unto him and were enlightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days, that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. I think that's most important in our present day situations we live in the world and the most immoral times that I can think of that are going on right now. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are upon them unto them unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. You know, I hope within our studies this morning that I'm not trying to prove that we're perfect. We have a lot of afflictions, don't we? I heard Brother Wilson Sankey say one time that, you know, he said, if we think that we have got it made in our own, that in all things we do, and we have no problems, no sin, he said, that's the biggest problem we've got. That was our first sin to think that. Because we do. We're flesh and blood and subject to sin and error all the days of our lives. <clears throat> okay. David here was, was emphasizing the way that he lived also because if we recognize God and can and, and he and praise him continually in our mouth that's what David was doing here in the Psalms and as he went out to battle and in the battle as we spoke of earlier he continuously understood that God was his way and his guidance in all things that he did Okay, now I want to look at Proverbs 3, 1 through 12.
as Elijah called upon the hand of God, David called upon the hand of God, and a lot of those ancient worthies that did. Let's see what our duty is also. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. What would happen, young people, if we leaned on our own understanding? Exactly. I think that we should always lean on the hand of God because our understanding remembers we are flesh and blood. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. In all thy ways acknowledge him he shall direct thy path. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. Now listen to this real close. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. Even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. I think it's important to understand that the living God of Israel does correct those that he loves in such a manner that they understand and that they should know how to conduct their lives. So if we might think we're falling on some hard times or maybe we're feeling sorry for ourselves, Jack, maybe God is correcting us at that time, right? Okay, uh, let's look at Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14. Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil.
God being the living God of Israel, of the universe, the world, whatever. We are His servants. And we're to serve Him. And we're told here that this is our duty. We serve God only. We always take those things that He has given us and give Him thanks for them. Okay? Not worship those things that He gave us. What does it become to us if we do that? An idol. That was the first verse that we read this morning in Leviticus, the 26th chapter. That we should have no idols. We give thanks for the God, to God and for the things we have need of. Not for the things that He gives us. Okay, we have any questions? All of you read the little paper that I handed out. I want you to look out in the world today, and I know that each and every one of us cannot deny what is out in the world today. Immoral living, and I know as, as old as you are that you're old enough to understand what goes on out in the world. Marriage means nothing anymore. There's drugs and alcohol in our young people uh, to the point that it's actually taking their lives. Uh, there's all types of other immoral living, if we want to style it that way. This is not our path that leads to life everlasting. That's what this little paper is trying to tell you. Can you see that in there? As I said this morning, it's not what happens on in some other country somewhere. Those are the signs of the times that Christ spoke of in the 24th chapter of Matthew. It's how we conduct ourselves because salvation, Sherry, is personal on a one-to-one -one basis. I can't gain your salvation for you, you can't gain mine for me. We have to do it on our own, right? It's up to you to live according to the way I tried to show you here this morning, calling upon the hand of God in everything that we do to lead us in the right way that He has styled us to live. That's good moral living. If we don't, who are we fooling? Ourselves. Probably you're not even fooling the person sitting beside you if you're living that way. In the days of Noah, you know, they were uh, 
men in the world that had became so wicked that God decided that He would destroy what had came upon the earth at that point in time except the eighth that were on the ark being Noah's family, immediate family. And I want you to know that the world, the way we believe now, would laugh themselves down in the middle of that floor at what we might believe. Some of them would. Some of them would respect you for it. And that's what they were doing to Noah as he was building this ark. They were laughing and they were scorning. And Noah believed in the Lord that he was going to destroy the earth or what was on the earth with water. But can you imagine when they could not stand in the treetops and the rocks and the mountains anymore? What do you think they thought? Do you think that they were laughing? Do you think that they were scorning Noah? Do you think there was weeping and gnashing of teeth? But young people, as far as they were concerned, Brad, they were too late. Sure it was. But it was a lesson to him, wasn't it? It was a lesson to Noah. That was a good point, I said. Okay, now we got tape. Uh, back to God being influential, influential in world affairs. And that God works in the kingdoms of men. And everything that is going on in the world today is being done that way to carry out His plan of salvation. Every nation in the world and it's in his Christ style in the 24th chapter of Matthew of all the problems and the things that, that went on in the world you're seeing those today and it's by God's hand that these things are taking place whether they be good or bad okay okay God has an ultimate plan and that's the kingdom of God on the earth what does the word manifestation mean? to make known the plan of God is to is God manifestation in the earth. Your salvation is secondary. Do you believe that? Do all of you believe that or do you not? God manifestation is one. Number one. Your salvation is secondary. He intends for His name to be made known in all the earth. He, he tells us, you know, that His glory will, cluck, will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And that's what we are looking forward to. And God is pursuing a number of simultaneous campaigns to prepare the ground. He's preparing the ground for the return of His Son to this earth to set up that glorious kingdom. At times, one or one or more of these activities reaches a climax. Everything that goes on in the earth, some of them has already made a climax, have they not? 
the return of the Jews, that began, still going on. Uh, he is actually setting the stage then, and each thing we see climax should give us strength because we can see these things in Scripture and we can see them taking place in the earth. Provoking a crisis somewhere in the world, as we progress well into the second half of 1984, things are quiet. This does not mean that nothing important in God's plan is happening. It merely means that each of God's campaigns is in a steady development phase. The Gulf War is stalemated, but we know that Iran at least one day will join Russia against Israel. Israel politici Israeli politicians are sorting out a compromise as neither party gained an election victory. America is on hold with an election coming up soon. Russian leadership is yet again in confusion with sickness and incapacity. We know that's over. We know that was 1984. A love is a good time to take stock. So back then, if we had, if there was a love in the things that were happening around the world, it was a good time to sit down. Now what do we think is going to happen again? This is taking place, and all these things are prophecy being unfolded. says, any one of four major threats may bring our system to its close. They are nuclear destruction, financial collapse, moral breakdown, environmental disaster. All of these are going on today, or are they not? Have we seen some environmental disasters lately? What are they, Jack? These are environmental disasters, young people. They're spoken of prophecy in the Bible. All these are ways that that are going on right now that could break our system. Okay? And we know they're going to take place but this is yet still not the real reason that I'm reading this article. Okay? We're going to find that out. If you, as you read one of the, the Bible reveals that it is not the dramatic dangers that will force a change on the world. It is a moral breakdown. <laughs> Boy, I'll tell you what, I... Maybe I shouldn't say this, uh, but that year before last, when I I done some, quite a bit of traveling, going to Bible schools, when I got to some of these larger cities, all I wanted to see was one lonely little hill in Texas because of the immoral living. And I'm gonna tell you, I was actually afraid, and to see some of the things that I saw in these larger cities, I was afraid. And all I wanted to be was home. And 
I saw all walks of life out on the streets. It was a shame. This is moral breakdown, young people. And it will not get you to the kingdom of God. The least dramatic... Let me read this. It is a moral breakdown, the least dramatic, which God takes hold of as the reason for His judgments on the human race. No, we do not endure a nuclear winter, nor a calamitous financial failure, nor an enormous natural disaster. God cannot abide the amounting sin, greed, selfishness, abandonment of family, violence, lying, and cheating. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. In 2 Timothy. And there follows a longer list than that above. In the end, the dramatic events and the world crisis are only signs. Okay? Those are only signs to tell us that the, that that, that the return of Christ is right around the corner. Brother Steve Tanner told me when he got back from Israel, he said, he said, Paul, the return of Christ is just around the corner. That's what he told me when he got back from Israel. That young man saw some things that, that he knew were in the Bible, in the Scripture, and he knew that those times were close. The real battle goes on every day on our personal battlefield, never-ending and unchanged by notable happenings in far-off places. When we stand before the great judge of all time, I'm going to add in here Jesus Christ, we will be counted worthy not by our reaction to a drama in a foreign land, but by our love of God and faith in Jesus' saving name. Is there anyone here that get the emphasis of that reading? We use those signs and times to guide and direct us for times and seasons that are at hand. And let's keep our moral living and the ways that we serve God, number one, up front, and in a manner that is pleasing in His sight. Therefore, we may be able to reach the glorious kingdom of God. Any questions? Remember those that called upon the hand of God and what happened? Call upon His glorious hand. And I hope that it's your... to your... being fortunate to enter into that kingdom. And I hope that each and every one of you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of God. Because this is our ultimate goal. I've still got five minutes. I'm going to turn the tape off. And I, I, I'd just like to have some discussion from you young people on what you think of the moral living today. <laughs>